Welcome to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. On today's show, we're going to celebrate the anniversary of the Armed Forces Service Center and meet the new American Legion Department Commander. But first, it's time for Generally Speaking, a weekly message from the Adjutant General of the Minnesota National Guard, Major General Sean Mankey. Your Minnesota National Guard is a unique military organization in that we have a dual role. Our chain of command includes both our governor and our president. We serve both overseas in combat roles and here at home in response to state emergencies. More than 13,000 strong, the soldiers and airmen of your Minnesota National Guard are based in more than 60 communities across our great state. From our Air National Guard units in Duluth and the Twin Cities to our Army National Guard units stationed in Rosemont, Bloomington, St. Paul, Camp Ripley, and elsewhere, the soldiers and airmen of your Minnesota National Guard live here, work here, and serve here. It is our mission to be good community partners. We partner with local law enforcement agencies, schools, and an assortment of community organizations as part of our counter-drug program. In our role as Emergency Management Response Agency, we're prepared to protect Minnesota from any hostility, be it winter weather, floods, wildfires, civil unrest, or a pandemic. While I'm in the community, people often stop me to thank me for my service. I'm always humbled by that gesture of gratitude, but I'm also proud in the knowledge that the Minnesota National Guard is always ready to protect our community and always there to respond. Thank you. Thank you, General Mankey. For more information, please go to minnesotamilitaryradio.com. As I said at the opening, uh, we're going to celebrate the 52nd anniversary of the Armed Forces Service Center, and in the studio today uh, to join me to talk about this is Rick Dale, who serves as chairman and president of the board of directors for the Armed Forces Service Center at the Minneapolis-St. Paul International Airport. Rick, welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. Hey, thank you, Tom. It's a pleasure to be here. Rick, seems like just yesterday we, uh, we were out there for a grand opening out at the out at the airport. The Armed Forces Service Center built a, a beautiful uh, new facility out there, and as soon as we got that open and did that show, uh, it seems like the next day a terrible thing happened, a COVID-19 hit. Yep, you were there would have been January of uh, 2020, and uh, that's just as COVID was uh, coming on the uh, horizon. And unfortunately, we had to close our doors uh, by mid-March for six months, And uh, but we were able to get open again November of 2020. And COVID did what nothing else, nobody else could do because you had the doors open night and day, 24-7 for 50 years before that. 49 and a half years to be precise, uh-huh. and we really wanted to get to November, but we didn't make it. Well, Rick, we've got a special guest uh, that's calling in today because she's down with the flu. Would you like to introduce her? I would. Um, Deborah Kane is our executive director. And uh, late last year, um, Deborah celebrated her 20th, or I'm sorry, uh, midsummer. She celebrated her 20th anniversary as an employee of the Armed Forces Service Center at MSP. Deb, welcome, welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. Thank you for having me, Tom. Deborah, I'm sorry to hear that you're home today with the cold and flu. I hope you get over that in time for Thanksgiving. Uh, but uh, it's, it's great to hear your voice. You've been the executive director of the Armed Forces Service Center at Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport since October 2001. Does it seem like you've been there 20 years? No, it doesn't. Uh, you know, I hit the ground running right after 9-11 and haven't stopped. And Deborah, can you tell us uh, before that, where were you and how did you get to the Armed Forces Service Center? Well, I started, well, if I really want to go back, I grew up on uh, Army installations overseas stateside, and then my first jobs actually was working in the PX in Fort Sill, uh, the basic training area, and then the YMCA uh, USO, and then from there, 
Minnesota to go to school, then New York, Chicago, and back to Minnesota. And then I saw the job opening, applied, and they hired me. So from the way you described it, it sounds like a natural progression. You were taking care of our service members uh, uh, from the beginning, and in uh, the last 20 years, you're taking care of uh, all the people that stopped by the Armed Forces Service Center. And who's that, who's that open to? Who can stop in there and enjoy that new facility? Well, like uh, Rick had originally stated, uh, today is our 52nd anniversary, and so when the center uh, was established November 22nd, 1970, it was for active duty service members because that's the greater need. In 2017, we expanded our outreach to include military retirees. So uh, where the USO, um, they have uh, their access is only active duty guard reserve dependents and space available to retirees. We've expanded our outreach to include Purple Heart recipients, uh, former POWs, military retirees, DOD, and PHFs, as well as active duty guard reserve and their dependents. And Deborah, you are a nonprofit organization. That's correct. We're a five hundred one c three tax exempt uh, organization since nineteen seventy. And not affiliated with uh, any other type of facilities like this around the country. Nope, not at all, although the one in Miami has the same name as the Armed Forces Service Center, but no, we are unique uh, to Minnesota, thanks to our founder, Maggie Purdom, whose son died um, in Vietnam on an airplane crash uh, in March, and then she channeled her pain into purpose and then opened the center. We're speaking with Deborah Kane and uh, Rick Dale about the Armed Forces Service Center at the Minneapolis International Airport on Minnesota Military Radio. Rick, uh, as an independent entity, and been open for 52 years now, uh, as a board of directors, one of your big uh, things that you must be charged with doing is raising some money so you can pay the bills. So there are only a couple of things that we really want our our board of trustees to focus on, and fundraising certainly is at the top of the list. Um, Securing, helping to secure volunteers and get them trained in retention of volunteers would be uh, would be next on that list, but fundraising is a is a major effort for us. So, for our listeners all over Minnesota, I just want to repeat: the Armed Forces Service Center at the Minneapolis Saint Paul International Airport is not affiliated with the USO, which is what everybody thinks about when they think about these type of centers. And so, it's very important that we support them. They've been there for fifty two years. I can remember passing through when I was coming back from Vietnam, and it, and it was a you know, it was a smaller center there, but it was a place you could, once you went in the door, you could relax a little bit, rest, get some water, get whatever you needed. I mean, it felt like a little piece of home coming in and out of there. Yeah, it, it certainly does. And it's, it's not uncommon to greet a, a guest at the door um, when they're uh, checking in and they'll say, you know, oh, I've never been in this one before. And then we explain kind of the history that Deborah just went through, that we're, we're not um, affiliated with the USO. We're an independent center here in Minneapolis. And Deborah, I want to come back to you. Uh, when we did that show out at your grand opening, that's a beautiful facility. It's a lot different from what I remember from uh, 50 years ago. Yeah, when they first opened, they had 600 square feet for the center and then a game room of 600 square feet. And then our old center, which is pre-security, uh, above the North Checkpoint was 2,700 square feet. And we've almost doubled that now with a dining room, playroom, luggage room, laundry room, only for staff, and then kitchen, and then showers, bunk rooms, which are currently temporarily closed. But, yes, it's very nice. 
So uh, as we said earlier, Deborah, the COVID did what nobody else could do. They made you close your doors because uh, we closed everything for a while. When did you open back up and are you fully open now? Well, we followed the lead of our respected counterparts at the USO. Um, March 18th, they shut down 250 centers worldwide, as well as the six privately run facilities. And so we had to adjust our hours and opened up. Uh, similar to the USO, we're all still in a phased uh, process, if you will. We're at phase two, where daily hours of operations are 8 a.m. to 10.45 p.m., and we still uh, maintain the health and safety practices, um, and we've made some adjustments to our menu, but our, our doors are open and operational, and then we have a really nice overflow lounge to accommodate. Rick, we've got about a minute left before we have to go to break, and we've already talked a little bit about you have to do some fundraising, but uh, this uh, the Armed Forces Service Center relies on an all-volunteer staff pretty much. All-volunteers. Um Deborah and, and uh, we have Deborah and, and three other part-time employees. Um, but yes, the 130 current active volunteers are very, very important to us, even to be open on the limited schedule we're on now. Uh, we'd love to get back closer to 160 uh, or more so that we can at some point get back to a 24-7 operation. That's certainly our goal. I'm not going to put a time frame on it, but that's our goal is to get back to 24-7. So you're looking for some volunteers, and I would guess that uh, if you've got a husband and wife or, or somebody that wants to come out there and they've only got maybe one day a week that they've got a few hours, you can probably put them to work. So uh, what we what we tell uh, prospective volunteers is, uh, on average, we'd like to see them there uh, twice a month, for and our shifts are four hours. Uh, so if, if somebody's got two days a month that they can give us four hours, um that fits the bill quite nicely. Uh, it's not uncommon. By the way, you mentioned husbands and wives. We have a number of husband-wife teams. Uh, my wife and I work together um, when when I'm in the center, uh, and a number of others do that as well. Very good. Deborah and uh, Rick, we have to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about the Armed Forces Service Center at the Minneapolis-St. Paul International Airport. This is Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. We've been speaking today with Deborah Kane, the Executive Director of the Armed Forces Service Center at the Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport since 2001, and uh, Rick Dale, who's Chairman and President of the Board of Directors for the Armed Forces Service Center. Uh, Deb, I want to come to you. Uh, we, I think everybody understands that you've got a nice new facility, and all of our troops that are passing through the airport can take advantage of that, get a little respite, Maybe even uh, take a nap in one of those one of those bunk rooms and and shower up, get something to eat. But you provide other services in addition to the to that center uh, for troops passing through town. That's correct. It's called our troop greeter program, where we will uh, assist with wounded military families of the fallen, um, and also military charter flights and buses. So we've done over 450 since 2006 in terms of military charter flights. We've assisted uh, well over 2,000 training troops, uh, families of the fallen, that's a high number, and then we're also the staging for recruits. So, Deborah, can you explain to me what happens when a military flight comes through and they're in a secure area of the airport, uh, the troops can't get off the plane or, or can't at least get out of that area uh, your volunteers, you and your volunteers, go to them and, and bring some things that they might need. That's correct. So we go where the need is. 
So we've assisted Minnesota National Guard on the tarmac uh, when they have uh, returning flights. Or uh, at MSP, we go to a restricted gate area and we set up a mobile canteen uh, to provide services during their limited, it's called a tech flight. So our longest flight recently uh, was 26 hours uh, during Super Bowl weekend last year. Now, those troops are kind of restricted and can't get out of the area. What type of things do they are they looking for? Are they looking for toothpaste? Are they looking for chewing gum? Or is it, what, what type of things do you bring them? So for the 26, well, it depends. If it's an inbound, then it's toiletries. Uh, and then if it's an outbound, then it's food. Uh, and then the 26-hour delays, so we've had 12 hours, 15, 24, 26, then it's everything, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And then we work very closely with all concerned at MSP to provide the service. Well, when you get a kind of an emergency 26-hour, you must must be all hands on deck and you're calling in favors and, and other uh, people to help you with that. That's correct. We work closely with MSP and then the troop leaders on site, they either remain or we call in reinforcement. But uh, the goal is that we are the advocates for the service members uh, because it's, you know, 26 hours if they're at the airport. That's a long time to stay in one area and not be able to get out. Deborah, when we were out there and did the live show from the grand opening of the new center, uh, I can recall you were talking about the great partnership that you have with uh, Delta Airlines out there and in the, that they help uh, quite a bit. Yes, Delta Airlines uh, has been a great partner uh, for MSP as well as the Armed Forces Service Center. Um, it happened to be that the president at the time saw us doing a meet and greet during military uh, block leave um, and reached out and we've partnered since then. So they are very helpful in terms of funding. That's great to hear. And Rick, I want to come to you for a few minutes. I understand that uh, uh, the Armed Forces Service Center has gotten some awards in the past, but uh, Deborah Kane uh, got a, got an award a little a little while back for some of her efforts. So um, Deborah's gotten a, a number of uh, levels of recognition at, at a local level. Um, back in um, uh, 20, 2018, uh, the 934th Airlift Wing uh, inducted her into the uh, Order of the Golden Vikings. Um, she was also uh, very instrumental in 2016 when the Medal of Honor Society did their national convention here in Minneapolis uh, in September, October of that year. Uh, and she's also been involved in uh, organizing Medal of Honor uh, recipients' participation in various uh, Minnesota Viking football games, as well as the, I think, the upcoming Super Bowl. Uh, well, the Super Bowl that was held here in Minnesota a couple of years back. Deborah, you've been a busy lady. Uh, congratulations on winning some recognition and some awards. Uh, uh, well earned and well done. Thank you. It's a purpose-driven life. I like to say service before self. We're speaking with Deb Kane, Deborah Kane and uh, Rick Dale about the Armed Forces Service Center, Minneapolis-St. Paul International Airport on Minnesota Military Radio. For our listeners, I want to remind them the Armed Forces Service Center is a one-of-a-kind facility supported by a volunteer workforce and contributions received from various veterans organizations, corporate and personal contributions. They are not affiliated with the USO and did not receive funds from the U.S. government. And, Rick, that means uh, 
as chairman of the board, you've got your work cut out for you. It's one of a kind organization, and you're giving away stuff to our military uh, every day, all day, and and uh, you've got to raise the funds, and you have to find the volunteers. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Those are the you know two of the biggest jobs that the board of trustees and Deborah has. Um, we do have uh, a, a campaign that we're going to uh, start next year. It'll be in November, about a year ago. Right now, uh, we intend to do a gala fundraising event at the uh, JW Marriott at the Mall of America. Uh, that's in the planning stages now. Uh, we had hoped to do it in November of 2020, but uh, that didn't work out because of COVID. Um, something else that we haven't done the last couple of years is our volunteer recognition dinner, which we typically do in May every year. We haven't done it now for, I think, three years. So we are going to try to get back to that in, in May of 2023 to recognize um, all of the volunteers that are so incredibly important to us. So, Rick, I understand that your website is MNAFSC, Minnesota Armed Forces Service Center, MNAFSC. Is there information there about these events coming up and and how people can volunteer? Uh, There is information there on how to volunteer. I think there's a tab across the top of the the homepage that says volunteer, and there's a simple form to fill out. Um, There's Because of security um, issues at the airport, we're inside security. Uh, so our volunteers have to be bad, so they have to do uh, get through a, a background clearance, um, et cetera, to, uh, to volunteer before we can get into training. But, uh, yes, you can find all that information on our website. And like I said, the tab is just volunteer. Just go there and click. And, Rick, I'd be remiss if I didn't point out to our listeners that you served in the United States Air Force from 67 to 71. And you've got lots of relatives that have served in the military. So, yes, I do. I've got all five of my brothers uh, served in the um, in the military between the Korean conflict and Vietnam. And my youngest son is an active duty Marine Corps gunnery sergeant. And just yesterday he called me and informed me that he'd been selected for a first sergeant. So we're really proud of him. First sergeant in the United States Marine Corps. That's that's a high honor. And he earned it, didn't he? He, he did. It's been, a, it's been an awesome 16 years for him. Deborah, he's smiling over here from ear to ear. I'm sure you've met a lot of Marines in your in your experience at the Armed Forces Service Center. Yes, we have actually. The 24 hours and the 26 hours were all Marines. Oh boy! Uh, yeah. I I wanted to piggyback on what you guys were talking about. So the website is m mike november alpha fox sierra charlie dot oscar romeo golf, uh, and it takes us. Uh, it costs about one hundred ninety thousand dollars a year for us to maintain the facility, and we give everything. Uh, away free to our guests that are at the center. Well done, Deborah. You've, you've practiced that. Uh, for me, it's just org. but you did that very nicely. Uh, Rick, any, any final thoughts on fundraising and volunteers? Uh, just uh, go to the Armed Forces Service Center website. You can also donate there as well as um, uh, fill out an application form to, uh, to, to volunteer. And uh, we would love to have another 30 or 40 active volunteers come on board between now and next summer. Very good, sir. Deborah. he's doing his job. Get the money and get the volunteers. We've got uh, about 30 seconds left. Any final thoughts about the Armed Forces Service Center at the Minneapolis-St. Paul International Airport? Well, first and foremost, we want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. Thank you for your service, especially you, Tom. Uh, Minnesota, thank you for your ongoing support. Volunteers and funding, that's how we continue our mission. So if you could go to the website, mnafsc.org, we would greatly appreciate it. Deb, I hope you get well soon and get over that uh, the cold and the flu and uh, 
We hope that you and Rick both have a, a great Thanksgiving as well. Thanks for joining us today. Yep. Thank you. Thank you, sir. That was Deborah Kane and Rick Dale from the Armed Forces Service Center at the Minneapolis-St. Paul International Airport. Uh, please stay with us. When we come back, we're going to meet the new American Legion Department Commander on Minnesota Military Radio. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. In a moment, we're going to meet the new American Legion Department Commander. But first, it's time for the Commissioner's Corner, a weekly update from the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs. Now, here's Commissioner Larry Herkey. Construction is well underway on our three new veterans' homes in Bemidji, Montevideo, and Preston. We are looking forward to an anticipated opening of all three homes in the fall of 2023. We'll be hiring hundreds of employees to care for our new residents. If you're interested in a career in our veterans' homes, sign up to receive our quarterly New Homes Careers newsletter. And for those of you interested in living at the new homes, we plan to start accepting resident applications this fall. For more information on veterans' admissions, job opportunities, and more, visit minnesotaveteran.org slash futurehomes. Thank you, Commissioner Herkey. For more information, please go to minnesotamilitaryradio.com. So I said at the opening, uh, we're going to meet the new American Legion Department Commander, and Jennifer Havlick was elected the 105th Department Commander of the Minnesota American Legion at the annual convention held July 14th and 16th in Wilmer. And Commander Havlick, welcome to Minnesota Military Radio. Thanks for having me, Tom. Uh, Commander, it's uh, it's November and it's uh, kind of winter time, and I uh, understand you live up uh, up on the North Shore, somewhere around Duluth. I live about uh, thirty miles north of Duluth, actually. <laughs> okay, and probably a good thing that you uh, didn't uh, drive down here today, although the weather's pretty good today. Uh, but Thanksgiving's coming up, and there's all kinds of things to do. Uh, I understand you served in the United States Army. I did. Back in 1998, uh, I was at Fort McClellan, Alabama. I believe we were the last group that went through Fort McClellan, Alabama as MPs before they moved to uh, Fort Leonardwood. So how long were you in the Army? Um, a little less than a year. I got damaged pretty early, and uh, so I, I cycled out pretty early because I didn't want to transfer. You know, I had to take everything to Fort Leonardwood, so... Um, the Army was good enough to allow me to do that. So you got damaged early. That means you're a fellow disabled American veteran. Uh, it depends on who you ask, brother. According to the VA, probably not. But according to me and my damage, yes. <laughs> okay, well, I understand that, and, and it's all the technical definitions. How did you get to the American Legion? Well, it's funny. Was I started off as an American Legion Auxiliary, and I was working in the Auxiliary, and one of uh, the unit members said, well, Jennifer, you're a veteran. And I said, yeah. They said, you should join the, the post. They, they really need some help. And I went, ah, okay. I Honestly, up until that point, even up until uh, probably 12 years ago, 13 years ago when I joined the Auxiliary, truth be known, I didn't have any knowledge of the American Legion. So when they asked me to join the post, I joined the post, I and I just it snowballed from there, quite honestly. And, Commander, I'm sure you've seen this over the last decade or so. More and more women are serving in the Minnesota National Guard and in the in the military and deploying and, and going overseas. And uh, when they get out, we've got uh, more and more women that are eligible to join the American Legion and the other veteran service organizations. Yeah, I think we're up and over 13% at this point. I have to check the numbers again, but last uh, – we talked about it. I think we were at 13% of the military population. 
Well, and that kind of changes us for us old veterans. Uh, when you when you think of the folks that served in Vietnam, it's mostly guys, but today uh, the world has changed, and uh, and I think uh, all of our population recognizes that uh, the ladies who are serving uh, uh, are now a big part of the military and very important here in the United States. I, I I think you're correct, but I also do remember and was taught too that even back in Vietnam we had some stellar women who served. Um, back then, the terminology, they, I don't believe they used as veterans or military. But in Vietnam, I know we had some great female um, people who served in the military in our hospitals and things like that. So, we, you know, women have been serving a long time, even back as far as World War II. <clears throat> but, yes, I think we're increasing in our numbers today, and it's really starting to be a good option for women when they're going to college and thinking about careers and things, too. So that opens a lot of doors. Well, Commander, we certainly knew that we had some great military nurses taking care of our injured in Vietnam and before that. and But today, uh, I, th- I understand that all of the jobs in the military are open to women, and, and they're expanding way beyond where they were uh, 50 years ago or more. Oh, definitely. I, I, I'd have to check, but... The only thing I can think of that they may not still be able to do is submarines, but you'd have to check with that. I'm not sure. Uh, Commander, I think I heard that was open, too, but uh, if it was up to me, I'd, I'd want to talk to the women if they wanted to serve there and say, you know, <laughs> those are close quarters. Submarine, brother. <laughs> <laughs> We're speaking with Jennifer Havlick, the uh, Department Commander for the American Legion in Minnesota here on Minnesota Military Radio. Ma'am, I understand that you, you're married to a veteran as well. That's true. My husband, Scott, is a veteran, an Army veteran uh, during the Desert Storm, for Desert Storm. Well, very good. Now, we, f- we figured out you were in the Army and, and you joined the auxiliary at the uh, post up in, I think, in Duluth. Uh, now, actually, the unit I started in was in Two Harbors. Two Harbors. And then I was in the post in Two Harbors and then I transferred into Duluth. Okay. How did you get from there to department commander? I mean, the the head commander for the state of Minnesota and American Legion. Well, it's it's odd, really, um, and for most people, it's kind of it seems a fast track because here in you know that I live in the eighth district. It's considered the eighth district in the Department of Minnesota, um, and we don't have a lot of posts, but we also are uh, need more members. So, quite honestly, I got in at just the right time. I came in, did some stuff with the post, and the district said, we need your help at the district level, and it just fall, fell in line. Um, I think I've been a member of the Legion 10 years, and each year, with the exception of the COVID year, right, because everybody served two years on COVID <laughs> during the COVID time, it just it, it really moved up, and people were like, well, Jennifer, uh, would you want to run for department commander? And I, honestly, I had to think about it. Um, and I talked to my friends and my family, and they said, yeah, if you think you do a good job and it's a passion of yours, you should do it. And here we are today. Well, congratulations, Jennifer. That 10 years, that's a fast track from uh, just joining and getting all the way to department commander, and you're, I'm sure you're already having a very busy year. It, it has been busy. And for the Department of Minnesota American Legion, our first probably six or eight weeks is nonstop. You know, I think I was home one day a week. So, Commander, uh, how would you describe the mission of the American Legion here in Minnesota? Well, our mission here in Minnesota is the same mission as it is all across the country, is to first secure and maintain the benefits for our veterans, both past, present, and future. That's 
that's our number one position is to make sure that the VA does the right thing by our veterans, that the DOD does the right thing by our veterans, and make sure that all our veterans and their families are taken care of during the course of their service and afterwards. <clears throat> then, of course, we also do national security issues. So when the government talks about national security issues at the federal level or at the state level with disaster response and things of that nature, um, we cover Americanism, which means Boy Scouts, um, um, I'm sorry, Boy Scouts. Uh, we have a really great oratorical contest that's under Americanism. We have multiple programs under Americanism. Boys State, which is a phenomenal program we do in, <clears throat> in June, where kids come across uh, the state of Minnesota into St. John's University, and we tell them and teach them about how to form a government, how to run for office, and all those things are important that keeps our country moving forward. And then, of course, children and youth, making sure that our children and our communities are safe, taken care of, and given education and a variety of different things that help them be successful moving forward in life. So, Commander, the American Legion is about the membership, it's about the auxiliary, it's about the American Legion writers. There's several aspects of the American Re Legion, uh, and it all amounts to helping out in your community. That's exactly it. Everything we do is designed to better not only our communities, our state, and our nation, and all our programs are designed to make sure that we continue to do that so that we and this country can be the powerhouse that we will always be moving forward. And I'm hearing you saying you're looking for more members in the in the 8th District and, and up towards Duluth and Two Harbors. We are always looking for members um, everywhere, but yes, because I'm from the 8th District, so it's my home, and we're always looking for members up here. Um, again, our membership changed because we passed the Legion Act several two or three years ago, uh, indicating that anybody who served one day in federal service, active duty service, can join the American Legion. That's from the end of from the beginning of World War II moving forward. So please don't hesitate. The only other thing I'd really like to remind people is you do not have to retire to be a member of the American Legion. If you are currently active duty service or you're currently serving in the Guard, you can be a member of the American Legion. Don't think for a second that you need to retire before you can join. Very good, Commander. We have to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk more with Jennifer Havlick, the Department Commander for American Legion in Minnesota on Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. We're speaking to Jennifer Havlick, the Department Commander for the American Legion here in Minnesota. And, Commander, we were talking about membership and how important it is to uh, for our veterans to uh, sign up and become a member of the American Legion. They don't have to wait till they're retired and part of the reason for that is, as the commander of the American Legion for Minnesota, you're a member of what's called the Commander's Task Force, which is made up of the eight federally chartered uh, veteran service organizations, American Legion, VFW, DAV, and so on. And, and it's important that you represent all your members when you go up to the Capitol and talk about Vets Day on the Hill issues and, and legislation coming up for next year. We are hard. The Commander's Task Force is hard at work uh, setting up that event for, I believe, we talked about March, visiting the Hill, not only making sure that we get the things we need for our, our veterans as far as um, legislative issues, but to maintain and make sure that we have good communication with our legislators throughout the year. Um, we each have legislative committees. Um, I have a really good one. Um, we also 
in the American Legion take input from our National Security Committee and our Rehab Committee to make sure that we're championing the issues that our veterans and their families need us to champion at St. Paul. So your message for our veterans out there is join the American Legion, add your number, add your yourself to the numbers that you're representing up at the Capitol. Exactly. There's strength in numbers. Um, our numbers dictate whether they're going to listen to us or not. The more numbers we have, the more phone calls we make, the more letters we write, the more emails we send, the more likely it is that we will listen to us and give us what we need to be successful. Very good, Commander. Uh, Commander, I understand it's tradition that the uh, department commander has a commander's project. Have you uh, have you figured out what that's going to be for this year? I do. I have three, actually. My first one is Tunnel to Towers. Um, if they're not familiar with that, it was established uh, post-9-11. Um, the organizer of Tunnel to Towers, his brother was killed as a fireman running through the, the tunnel and going to the Twin Towers as a firefighter. Um, so we're raising money for them. So they do smart homes and pay off mortgages of veterans who are injured or killed, along with building smart homes for those veterans who are disabled. Um, they've done three in the state of Minnesota already. Um, uh, Project Delta, uh, my retired service dog, comes out of Project Delta in the Twin Cities, and they train service dogs for veterans with a varying level of disabilities and things like that, and that they do that all free to the veteran. And then we have the Eagles Healing Nest. They're building a fourplex for families so that families can get healthy up at the Eagles Healing Nest. So those are our three for this year. Um, we have a lot of great programs, so if you don't hear something I'm talking about fundraising for, please go to our website and pick something that's near and dear to your heart and donate to that. Jennifer, three commanders projects. I hope you're a good fundraiser so you can cover all of those. <laughs> so do I, brother. So do I. <laughs> and your theme for the year I'm reading is honoring our past by securing our future. Correct. We came up. I came up with that because we we have a, a a huge demographic right now. We have the a few World War II veterans, but our primary group is our Vietnam War veterans. But we also have very young veterans. So we wanted to make sure that we were acknowledging that our, our past members, our Vietnam veterans and our older ones, and um, letting them know that our younger veterans are going to secure what they did by the way they act and be successful in the future. Commander, we've got just about a minute left, uh, but this is Thanksgiving weekend, and one of the one of the projects the American Legion has been pushing for a long time now is the Buddy Check program. How important is that on holiday weekends? I think it's huge. I think it's gigantic because... Um, it's hard in general. Life over the last couple of years has been difficult for everybody, but I think the holidays ramp up what could be um, the stress and the anxiety, so we need to reach out to each other and call each other. I know everybody's visiting their families, but remember, we have veterans out there who don't have families, who are overseas, who are active and can't be with their families, so reach out to them. If you see them, thank them for their service. and. You know, just make sure that they're okay and check in with them. Um, we don't need to lose any more of our veterans by our own hand. We need to support and secure each other and make sure that we can do the right thing to move forward in the future. Commander, I hope you have a great year. It sounds like you've got a lot of things you want to accomplish, and I'd like to thank you for joining us today on Minnesota Military Radio. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. That was Jennifer Havlick, the Department Commander of the American Legion here in Minnesota. Joining me now is Brad Dobozinski, who's the Public Affairs Officer from the Minneapolis VA Healthcare System. Brad, welcome to Minnesota Military Radio. 
Well, thanks for having me back on, Tom. Well, I understand you let Director Kelly uh, out of the building, and uh, so now you've got to fill in for him, and uh, I'm expecting great things. Well, you know, he, he was saying something about having the, uh, Thanksgiving with his family, so I, I guess we can let him have a little time off. Well, even Navy officers, they deserve some time with their family, so that's that's good. Uh, I want to talk to you about construction. I've been teasing Director Kelly for years about wearing his construction hard hat all the time. Uh, can you give us an update? Sure can. Hey, the uh, outpatient up uh, the outpatient entrance is going to actually open this week, so we'll have uh, two entries then: the main entrance and the outpatient entrance. So that's something we're really looking forward to. And then coming around the corner, right about in January, February is that new specialty clinic. So that's where we stand for construction at the main hospital right now. Well, and I can't wait until we get to the construction of the the women veterans clinic. But I understand you've had some women, another Women's Veterans Forum. Yeah, we had our second of the year. It was held in October. Uh, it was really a good event. Women getting to discuss health issues that they have with other professionals. The the uh, nurse manager for the Women's Health Clinic, our, our uh, doctor that's in charge over there, and they had a great discussion about their health, which is just wonderful. Brad, we've had uh, what I'm calling maybe the year of the veteran this year. The Minnesota State Legislature passed a uh, veteran's omnibus bill that was terrific. And then the uh, Congress passed uh, the uh, Burn Pit or the PACT Act. Uh, and I understand that you've got an event coming up out at the Minneapolis v- VA about the PACT Act. Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, on December 12th, we're in planning right now to, held, to hold a PACT Act event. And during that event, we're going to have uh, enrollment and eligibility. We're going to have toxic exposure screeners. We're also going to have a Veterans Benefit Administration representative here to discuss claims. Um, Not only that, but, uh, you know, coming up after that or before that, on the 8th of December, on your show, we're also going to have the assistant, um, one of the assistant VCS, so a claims person from VBA to talk about veterans or about two veterans about the PACT Act itself. So that's a good thing as well. Now, Brad, I understand uh, on the claim side of it, the VA is still trying to uh, hire people and, and get going on that. And, and I understand the Congress still has some things to do, uh, but they want to be ready to go full blast by the first of the year. Is that right? That's correct. And, and you know, the bottom line is I've, I've heard a lot of veterans ask about it and, you know, they have questions. The first thing that they can do is start their claim if they have any concerns. And then, you know, listening on the show when we have uh, the, the veteran benefit representative talk about the PACT Act. And then, you know, come on out to the Minneapolis VA on December 12th, and, and we're going to have some folks talking about the PACT Act. We're going to have them talking about claims and things that they can do. But bottom line, if they, they can't wait and they need to know now, go to your veteran service officer, go to your county veteran service officer, and start this claim. They have some information to at least start the process. Very good. Now, Brad, I was out there a while ago to get a flu shot, and before I left, I had uh, another booster for the COVID. Are you still doing those things? You know what? We're always doing shots. In fact, it is pretty much always flu season around this time, so we got our flu shots, and the COVID is year-round, and we've got a booster right now. So if you need it, if you want to even start because you were you were kind of worried about it before, we have it all. So come on down and get your shot. Very good, sir. we got about a minute left, Brad. Uh, are you hiring? You know what, Tom? We are always hiring. In fact, as you had mentioned before with the PACT Act, we have to hire more folks. So 
We just did a big event. It's called an onboarding surge event where we were able to get around 150 folks um, in the process that were already going to get a job. They've already accepted their offer. We got them through all that initial stuff so they can get to work faster um, this past month. And now, you know what? We just need to hire more folks. So we are open to have anybody who can fit in the positions that we have here from nurses, doctors, um, you name it, we've got the positions here at the VA. And we talk about uh, hiring all the time, but uh, you couldn't operate there without volunteers. You know, the Red Vest volunteers have been doing a great job. And if you don't want to work and you just want to volunteer your time, come on down. We always have positions for that as well. Very good, sir. Brad, thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much, Tom. That was Brad Dobozinski, the public affairs officer for the Minneapolis VA Healthcare System. We're just about out of time. Thanks for listening to this edition of Minnesota Military Radio. I'd like to thank our guests for joining us this week, Deborah Kane and Rick Dale from the Armed Forces Service Center, Jennifer Havlick, American Legion Department Commander, Brad Dobozinski, the public affairs officer for the Minneapolis VA Healthcare System, Commissioner Larry Herkey, the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, and finally, Minnesota's Adjutant General, Major General Sean Mankey. That's coming up next weekend on this station or online anytime at minnesotamilitaryradio.com. I'm Tom Lyons, and I hope that you make a difference in someone's life this week. Minnesota Military Radio is a production of iHeartMedia, the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, the Minneapolis VA, Beyond the Yellow Ribbon, and the Minnesota National Guard. Your host is Tom Lyons, founder and owner of Phelan Partners Limited, a merger and acquisition advisory firm. Tom is a life member of the American Legion, VFW, Vietnam, Veterans of America and the DAV. For podcasts and the latest updates, follow us at minnesotamilitaryradio.com.